Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me today is... Jason. I am Ben Young. Andrew is once again back. I'm Bill Jarvis. And today we are talking about the new hit movie, Underwater. And when I say hit movie, I'm lying. It is not doing too well. <laughs> yeah, maybe somebody got hit. <laughs> It's a, a box office disappointment. It yeah. is, but do we expect anything less of this, well, I guess this style of movie? And I mean, it's right. it's also, mm-hmm. fuck you, it's January. Like, yeah. no one goes to the movies Bad in time January. of year. This is not Nobody winning an award. Nobody goes to see sci-fi horror. Mm-hmm. They no. never do that well in the box office. Well, it's no. De- it's no. definitely not drowning in praise, for sure. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I hate you hey. so much. <laughs> yeah. well. uh, directed by William Eubank, I believe is the way to say his name. Yeah. Um, this is his third film. What are his other two? Uh, his other two are Love. Is that what it's called? Love. Love, which is a sci-fi movie about a gentleman stranded in space. Who loves. Which I actually... The Martian? Look into. Uh, no, I think it predates The Martian. Um, and the other one was... The Signal. The Signal, which, uh, I guess was heavily inspired by, like, the Twilight Zone and stuff like that, so... They These are two sci-fi movies that I've really never I actually think looked at. I've they definitely look interesting. I think I've yeah. seen The Signal. Um, the Love one, I just remembered after you said it, um, it was on my list on Netflix for a really long time, but I never watched it. And I don't know if it's still on Netflix. You know yet. what? I, I remember seeing trailers for something called The Signal, but this is I don't. Th- I thought the movie that I'm thinking of had Michael Shannon in it, so maybe I'm wrong. If it's the movie I'm thinking of, it was about like basically this like broadcast signal that drove people crazy. Maybe. Could be wrong. I, don't I mean, know. the the it doesn't the uh, synopsis doesn't say that, but it also it might be purposely vague. So it's also know. not what we're here to talk about. I was going to yeah. say I've actually had a little bit of serendipity here. I feel like we should uh, we should have a segment of the podcast called like that one movie with that one guy, mm-hmm. and just like pick a <laughs> random movie yeah. and be like try to connect it. With like C class, you know, I mean, yeah, actors like, like Kevin Bacon, six degrees, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Of Kevin Bacon. Oh yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Can I can I can I make a joke here really quick, guys? I'm really hoping this podcast isn't as long as the actual movie. This is a short movie. This is an hour and a half movie, and we've definitely had hour and a half podcasts. Well, we're, we're gonna <laughs> analyze this by the second. We're gonna yes. do a second by second, second by play by play analysis. Play by play. Uh, wow. this deep, was... deep dive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, oh, this oh. movie really speaks to me because my basement was recently underwater. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, isn't that where they did the principal <laughs> principal <laughs> photography? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I couldn't hold was... together there. <laughs> this was written by. It's not uh, funny. I'm sorry. Ryan Duffield and Adam. Kozad, uh, I looked up both of their works. Nothing really of note. I think it was uh, Brian uh, Duffield has actually worked on The Blacklist a little bit. But other than that, there's really nothing. I'm, I'm sorry if, if either of them are listening to this, but there's really nothing of note there. Yeah, sorry, well, this was, sorry, Duffy. This seems like a throw you, throw you a bone movie. Like, even William Eubank hasn't done anything for six years. So he hasn't yeah. directed anything. Yeah. He was this, making this. This definitely. <laughs> no. <laughs> this definitely seems like a. A hey, this is your shot, man. Go for it. And I, th- I well, in- interestingly that you say that. So I wanted to read an excerpt here. So on IMDb, there's a rich trove of trivia regarding underwater, and I'd like to read a few selections. A well, trivia treasure trove. First, well, also I want to get through a few things before you hit that. Oh. Yeah. 
God, I want to. I want to hear this. <clears throat> Don't shake your head at Overlord. I want to hear this. Ha- hold on. That's Hang true. on. Collins no, guys, I promise. Okay. I promise. Right. It's a rich trove of trivia. A treasure right. trove of a trivia. Treasure trove oh, of trivia. Being, Bear with silly. me. Give me tap this <clears throat> vein. Tap this vein. Due to the Disney purchase of 20th Century Fox, the release date was pushed to January 2020. Shooting took place in the spring of 2017. Somebody oh, wow. asked me if this movie got made and then just sat on a shelf. It might have been Caroline, and uh, I was like, I don't care. <laughs> By the time it Online. released, almost three years had passed. And then another, this was really interesting. I thought just as far as, you know, it, because I think we all really like diving deep. Again, I use that um, <laughs> in terms of like, you know, production and, and sets and writing and cinematography and everything else. So I thought this really kind of shed light on the creative process for me. Did you know that according to IMDb trivia, Kristen Stewart shaved her head for this role? What? No what? what? I thought that was a wig. So so she acted her hair. Now you guys was, know. Was so, this and is, that concludes the trivia from IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting, actually. We're already diving into conversation now yeah. before finishing setting up. Crushed <laughs> it. I told Jason. you this would happen. It's interesting because I remember when Kristen Stewart sh- shaved her head and it was like all the rage. It was like, Kristen Stewart shaves her head. Why did she do it? Nobody could possibly know. And now we finally have our answer. She did it for underwater. It was What's that? Film. Why did she shave her head? It's like, okay. Um, and then nobody cared. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to say that the, the budget for this film, in case you guys didn't know, was $70 million. Oof. This director, William Eubank, that you said nobody knew who he was. This is his third film. Hasn't made one since 2016. A studio gave him $70 million to make a movie. Yeah, I got to... I think that's that's impressive. What's that box office? (laughs) So, okay, we're in the first... What, first week at this point? We're we're, we're past the first week. Sure, sure, but I mean, it's not uh, breaking any block... It's block, blocking any brick uh, so brookster. Domestically, it grows seven point five million in its first week. Oh, that's bad. Globally, we're looking at a cool fifteen million. Oh, I don't think they're going to actually. Let me, yeah, let me put this into perspective. Make... This movie came out on Friday. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking it was myself, Ben, Mark, and five other individuals in the screening at five fifteen on yeah. a Friday. So, not. Really, uh, yeah, I'm no, really breaking any banks. Me and my, Jason saw it. There was like three yeah. other people. In the my biggest question and really concern at this point is whether William Eubank is still walking of his own power. Or is point. he swimming? No, um, no, I just want to make sure he still has knees because I feel like the se- 70 million to 15 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but is that the director's fault at that point? I, mean, I think I think it's a bad time of the year and it's a bad genre. Here's the thing too, to remember, like. They Fox put this here on purpose. They they knew everyone knows January's the dead year. It's it's the month after uh, Oscar submissions are eligible. So like this is the beginning of the Oscar season, quote unquote. Now, but like it's not. And um, no, it, it is statistically the lowest uh, outings for theaters of the year this month. So, and then, you know, it was, it's funny because February was always the second lowest and then Black Panther and Deadpool came around and changed all that. So I, I, you know, I'd like to hope that someday someone tries to change January's uh, status in, in the film industry. But as of now, anyone who places a movie in January, you know, it's not going to be good. Great. I should say, because I enjoyed this, but uh, it's not going to be great. And the studio did not expect it to make its budget back at this point. 
this was a get it out and we'll see what comes of it at this point. Right. So let's make some sort of yeah. money off of this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well who already... is this? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Who is this movie for? Like, is it for, it's gotta be just for people who are fans of the genre because yeah. look at the other movies we have out. 1917 is in theaters. Star Wars is still in theaters. Uh, apparently there's a grudge remake. Didn't know that happened. Uh, little women, Oscar nom knives out. People love, uh, that asshole. Um, uncut gems I've heard is good. Um, cats. Everybody loves cats. Cats All right. You're done talking. How many, how much movie, how much money did cats make? I don't know. It doesn't say, I don't care, but but funny, funny. You mentioned 1917. They made like twice, maybe three times as much as this movie made in the same, in the same time frame. I'm not even talking since it's early run in December. Like nobody knew this movie existed. Nobody knew this movie was coming out. It's and worth noting also 1917 is not technically a January release, even though it had a wide release in January. It was a December release. So it but had even already then, built its you hype. You look at the numbers. Yeah, that's probably what it is, is the hype is when it came out um, last week, mm-hmm. it went from making 100000 a day to $3 million in a day. Like, right away, yeah. it jumped up. So yeah, There's no underwater hype. No. And no, no never will marketing. Be. What was the last movie Kristen Stewart was in? Recently, Charlie's Angels. Which, oh, yeah. right. oh I forgot about that. Yeah. I didn't know that came out yet. You gotta stop making, coming out this year. You gotta stop making remakes, Hollywood. Right? It got banned. Well, we said Kristen Stewart multiple times, so let me just go over the cast real quick. Uh, we got Kristen Stewart, uh, the Vincent Cassell. Probably how you say his name. The captain. Not gonna lie, I've seen him in a few things, but I always just imagine him from Ocean's 12. Oh, see, I always remember him from uh, Black Swan. Gotta be honest, never saw that. Oh, shame. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's good. It's weird. Yeah, well, it's super weird, but it's good. It's definitely Aronofsky's most punchy weird. in the face. Everything I've seen Vincent Cassell in, he always nails his role. Oh, so. he's great. And I loved him in this. We'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. Um, TJ Miller, third build. On crushed there. it. Uh, actually did crush his role. So, uh, well, he was crushed, but. <laughs> uh, Jessica Henwick played the um, what would she say she was a research assistant she's an intern no she's a re- she said she's a research assistant she's an intern yes um, John Gallagher played the uh, love interest right no to to the research assistant was that was that John yeah. Gallagher okay was yeah, it John Gallagher is this how they were billed like in the credits it was <laughs> intern love interest <laughs> uh, movies would be better if they just like, so, gave us those vague I, I don't know if I've seen this guy before but it's uh, his name is Mamadou Athi mm-hmm. he was the uh, nice literally <laughs> I think Jason said it too pointed it out but well we'll get into that later um, and there's also Gunner Wright who I don't actually remember who he played Played Lee. Who the fuck was that? I don't remember. <laughs> Who was Lee? He must have died really early I, on. Wasn't he the guy that exploded like as soon as? No, 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 was, no, no. That was that was that was. That was like the, a, I'm not going to attempt his name, but that was who Colin just wrote. Marmaduke. Yeah, yeah, Marmaduke. His Ma- name is Rodrigo <laughs> in the show, in the movie. Yes, Rodrigo. Um, it was either that or the man in the picture so, that Kristen Stewart's character it, had, who was in proper, cut that you said in proper sci-fi horror fashion. That is your entire cast of the movie right there. Good. Yep. And that's what I love about it. But, all right. 
Uh, who wanted to say something? I'm sorry. I just got the synopsis. Synopsize it. Yeah, synopsize, and then Jason and I interrupted you a long time ago. A crew of aquatic researchers work to get to safety after an apparent earthquake devastates their subterranean laboratory. But the crew has more than the ocean seabed to fear. Ooh. Oh, a short but sweet. The ocean sea bass? It. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the movie. It's short but sweet, I, I felt like. Guys, can I just say that I'm so happy that we're not doing Star Wars today? Oh, I, thought, <laughs> I, 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 I was really sure we weren't even going to mention its name. I know, but at this point, it's just like, we haven't done actual sci-fi in so long. Yeah. That I, was like, uh-huh. I don't even remember what we're supposed to do on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're Star Wars cross-sections, right? Oh. Well... Um, I mean, I definitely have to say that I was really uh, excited when they got to the Roebuck station and Werner Herzog was down there with Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the reason they abandoned the station. Sea researching is a very complicated Undersea- profession. Undersea- a lot of pressure down here. Would the, would the merman like a cigarette? <laughs> I would like to see the drill. What? Wait, was that Swedish Werner? I don't know what it was. <laughs> it's a complicated profession. <laughs> Where's the meatballs? It was, no, it's like Werner's, like, uh, you know, ginger ale, uh, him. What? It's a weird joke. So now I'm trying to That's think so of weird. how good this movie would have been with Werner Herzog, to be honest. Every, Every movie would movie, have yeah. been better with him. Werner Herzog actually can be applied to the Mickey Rooney theory. So... It works out. Casting the ring into the volcano is a complicated profession. Yes. The Mickey Rooney theory is that you could put Mickey Rooney in any film as the lead and it would work. Ew. Isn't he old? He's He's dead. dead? (laughs) He's dead. It worked better when he was alive. (laughs) But also, it still stands. You just have him, you just keep him at the age he was when he died. Frodo, you have to cast the ring into the fire. Have you watched Mickey Rooney act in his later years? It's out of control. It was the dude's the, uh, a wonderful, 90th, wonderful 90th museum. Gift to cinema. 90th museum he was in. I think it was like his last role. Or something. Yeah. And he shows up on an episode of The Simpsons. Anyway, back into underwater. <laughs> <laughs> back underwater. Back Diving. underwater. So, okay. Cannonball. How do you guys feel about Kristen Stewart? I don't like her. I like her. Uh, I think she's a good actress. I, I think, think that, that she just gets a fucking bad deal. I don't know. She needs a new agent, maybe. So it's interesting that we learned that this was 2017, Kristen Stewart, because she's grown a lot as an actress mm-hmm. over the years. You know, I admit she was never anything to watch, but I think she knew that. I think she knew the audience's perception of her, and she's worked hard to change that. And I think she's done a very good job. So when I saw this, I was like, this is very new Kristen Stewart. I she she immediately like conveys right off the bat that her character is anxious right away mm-hmm. and, and and does it through like her verbal tics, which I thought was a really like fun character trait to have, like because mm-hmm. it wasn't like over the top and it wasn't like uh, it wasn't silly, but it was just an interesting way to convey someone's anxiety happening in a, in a very anxious situation i was gonna say i did was subtle because i didn't even notice any verbal tics oh you didn't she every time she would talk she'd be like well okay well, that's if we're gonna do that, that talks yeah, but, <laughs> that's that's like, that's I, like didn't, I, feel, I didn't perceive that as i'm, I'm gonna <laughs> as acting i'm gonna i'm gonna okay I'm, this isn't gonna be a shit on kristen stewart no it is not it is not no but i'm gonna be serious i'm gonna be serious that's just what kristen stewart does that's just her I mean, then maybe I haven't seen her recently, honestly, but I I thought this was really good. I thought she was really compelling. I was really interested in her character. I will also say, and this is actually (laughs) going to be, this could be my biggest um, critique of this movie, but I will honestly say that the writing of the dialogue 
failed Kristen Stewart in this movie and actually failed most of the cast, which I thought was a, a stellar cast. The dialogue was trash in this movie. So I'm hearing that the two groups that went to see this, at least I've, at least from what I gauged at the end, me and Miller went to see it with, with Mark, who unfortunately couldn't be here today, and then you, Colin, and Jason went to see it. I'm thinking, at least from how I gauged Miller's reaction at the end, that there are two very different opinions on how this movie went coming out of it. Because I didn't think that at all. I was pleasantly surprised by every aspect of this film. Yeah. I'm going to betray really... my point a little, or I'm going to betray the ending here really quick. But uh, I actually did enjoy this movie. Yeah. I was coming, going in like, Kristen Stewart, I don't really want to see a Kristen Stewart movie. But I left like, I was like, eh, I didn't feel like I wasted my money. Totally. This is not going to be a memorable film by any instances this, this is, is not aliens right. okay this is not as much as it wants know, to be this right. is not yeah. event horizon it is yeah. it, it, make no mistake for anyone who's like what is this film it's underwater alien it's <laughs> <Bill's> dying. <laughs> sorry <laughs> this is not event horizon it's not it's not a, it's not a very high quality film i have what do you keep saying <laughs> event horizon what was he's, that he's laughing at a joke that i said all i heard was uh, we have a dolphin in the room. It came in uh, from underwater. Hey, it's one, it's dolphin one, it's, coming on it's in. It's one yeah. of the merboys. Played uh, dolphin number 12. Yeah, a dolphin can't here. be at that depth of sea level. It no, Ben. Space dolphin. There is, I, don't even remember, I don't even remember the dialogue because it was so unrememberable. It's like, oh, you guys, you guys are in love. That's cool. I can't remember literally anything. <laughs> that said. that was that was the when one. When Kristen Stewart so, and the uh, intern are dragging this this man's unconscious body across the bottom of the Mariana fucking trench. It was a moment of towards Cthulhu, relief. towards Mer people, Pass, and it's just like, Pat oh, you guys Cameron. are in love. That's really cool. And I'm just like, it was a moment the? of comedic relief. Oh, it, it was, was funny. Not, it was not yes, it comedic was. relief. So it was. I, you know, Ben, I, I knew you would like this movie because <laughs> most people hate it. And I, I knew you would fucking do this. Okay, I fuck knew you would do this. No, 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 I knew you would do this. I know it. I no. knew it. No, no. I hate you. Ben's not doing that to be, you know, it's not I, like a contrary. No, I enjoyed this film. I generally think Ben liked this movie. This film will not go in a top 25 of the year. It will not probably not even make top 50. But I watched it and I enjoyed it. I had a good time. And, mm-hmm. and in a film like this, that's all I expected out. Let it be known that I am happy that Ben enjoyed this film because yep. all I want, or one of the things I want out of life, not all I want, there's a lot of things I want, there's a lot of things we all want. We're going to fight today. One of the things, no, we're not, Ben. One of the things that I sincerely want is for all my friends to have happiness. Have a new <laughs> I am truly happy that Ben enjoyed I'm this. I'm going to punch you on this you? podcast. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You're I'm condescending tr- Wait, 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 wait. I'm truly happy. Would no. you say that you're white claw happy? <laughs> yes. No, but but seriously, it's this is not to shit on Kristen Stewart at all. Um because what one of the things that I I tend to do, you know, especially if there's a if there's say like a uh, an actor um who for some reason maybe it was prior stuff they did or whatever kind of as maligned as like oh that person sucks or that person's not a good actor or whatever you know like i'm the type of person where i want to like root for that individual like prove prove them wrong like i want to see you in a performance that really kind of shows your chops and shows you can do it um interestingly enough this is a very brief aside you know one of the things i did and i didn't really do this on purpose but when i got home from the theater after watching underwater my wife and I rented The Lighthouse on Amazon and watched it. And I didn't do it because it's like, I'm going to watch all the Twilight actors like do stuff. But like, you know, 
Robert Pattinson can it fucking act. Mm-hmm. Thank you, oh, Robert yeah. Pattinson. Yeah. Like, great. You know, and I know he's been in a lot of other indie films. I haven't really followed his stuff as much, but holy shit, he's next to arguably one of the greatest actors, I think, in our kind of current generation in Willem Dafoe yeah. and is knocking it out of the park. So, like, I want to see the Kristen Stewart's of the world kind of prove those detractors wrong, you know, prove them wrong. I don't think this really did it. I don't know. To me, I, well, sure. I went in. I went in with an open mind. I did not go in wanting to hate the movie. I did not go in wanting to hate Kristen Stewart's performance. And I think, for me, it started out strong. I like the way they started it. Um, even kind of with the monologuing, and then when you know the of the initial kind of breakdown of the station, she's running through the corridors and everything. I thought that was really cool set piece, kind of started things off well. and, and Jumps right in, too. It does, it does. And I was I was right there with it. But right into the deep end. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it was some of the, j- just as the, the film went on, just some of the dialogue. You know, if those moments landed for you, Ben, that's great. Again, I'm happy. For me, a lot of them didn't. You know, I think the, I, I turned to Colin in our theater, and I kind of audibly laughed at that scene where she said, you really love him, huh? And then, you know, the, the intern goes, yeah, I do. That's really cool. <laughs> you should have laughed in that scene well, because it but, was funny. But it's I didn't laugh. Dialogue. I didn't laugh at the scene. I laughed just the kind of at, you know, just, I don't know, the absurdity so, of it. And there was a few other parts that kind of like, uh, I think there was a scene where they were talking about the impending implosion of the station or whatever, because the reactor was going to go, you know, nuclear basically, and it was going to have a meltdown or whatever. And then Kristen Seward's character, again, was doing kind of the verbal tick things. But at least at that point, I didn't see that as like a creative choice. I saw that just kind of as more of a the way she was delivering the lines. But it was uh, she's like, oh, yeah, we're going to blow up and you know I mean? like little pieces and stuff. And she said it like that. And I was just like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> My, um, what is it? The, okay. There are two very cheesy moments of dialogue in this movie. One was when they're they're, they're coming up with a plan to all right, we're gonna go ascend or descend down walk across this plateau and Kristen Stewart goes can you just admit that we might die doing this and the captain goes yes but can you just admit that we might live yeah well, that, okay, I was yeah. Just like oh god yeah. so there was that and there's also uh, Jessica Henwick goes into this random like glazy looking off into the, the, the distance Talking about how, like, oh, we've taken too much from Mother Nature, and now she's trying to, like, reclaim it back or something like that. I was like, what the fuck is it? That you, was that, that, that movie did that not, audiences are too stupid That movie to did point. not We drilled even, too deep, Colin. That movie did not require that Dug by any sense of the word. Deep. If you wanted this to be, like, <laughs> a commentary on mankind taking too much from Mother Nature. Which like, it is. They did not deliver that well enough. Maybe she should. It's literally back about some drilling into the Mariana Trench for oil. What the fuck do you? Ex- First like off, they never said what they, they were didn't say. For. Yeah. Why else do you drill into the ocean? Monsters. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> Monsters, <laughs> it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> First off, if, no, 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 no. Because off, if your if your Lord Cthulhu tells you to drill, you drill. That's true. That's true. He wasn't their lord. Uh, this is this is Cthulhu origin story. Bullshit. This is how uh, Cthulhu bullshit. wakes up and comes. To the One word, boys. Unobtainium. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't welcome, obtain it. Welcome to your Avatar podcast. I'm your oh no. So here's the thing. Guys. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go, you go. Oh, I was going to say this is a film against James Cameron. That's that's what this is. <laughs> this is like why did James Cameron have to go into the Mariana Trench? 
Why did he have to do that? Jimmy Cameroni, what are you doing? Yeah, That's you why Canadian this... Canadian bastard. John no, Camera. That is why this movie failed. I don't think I saw anyone raise the bar once yeah. throughout the film. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, if you... Apparently, I, I watched a little bit of a thing about it, um, which is weird. Um, Google must have heard me say uh, uh, underwater because it started recommending me videos on YouTube. But uh, <laughs> I watched a, I watched a, like a, an ending explained video, and apparently, like the... Uh, during the credits when files are being like redacted and stuff like that it basically implies that the company who um they're drilling for i can't remember the company's industries tiananmen square industries oh whale and yutani <laughs> yeah whale and yutani oh wait we're past that um whale yen like like a like a mammal of the sea um they right, it, it implied that they knew about what was going on and it also implied a sequel sure they're they're they're, they're yeah they're waylon yutani they yeah. they were actually they looking, knew they were actually looking for monsters in the depths when they're like oh we're really mm. drilling for oil they they know what they're looking for down there yeah okay well like that all makes sense like, yeah that's fine but yes i mean if you're drilling into the ocean you're drilling for oil is at least the cover story there's no other reason to drill into the ocean research i wonder what happens when i stick this drill in a pl- in a tectonic plate nothing oh yeah well, James let me Cameron tell you about out. my plan to end <laughs> the world. Play some, like, game show music here. Ba-da-da-da. Yeah. Butt-naked, blue-painted James Cameron comes out of that crack. That's a good idea. That's what happens. Well, it's like my entire premise is based on James Cameron, so it works out. You, uh, you get a deep-sea submarine, a nuclear warhead, and you drop it to the bottom of the Mariana Trench, and you blow it up. That's it. That's how we fix the world by killing all the Star Wars fans. That's so how, anyway, that's how good sci-fi, gonna... bad sci-fi. Let's run this. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I mean, starting from the beginning, I, I love the concept of this movie. Um, I will say I have a phobia of deep water. Hate it. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, too, my favorite sci-fi movies are The Abyss and Sphere. And when I went into this movie, I was kind of expecting something of that level. No, I shouldn't have. I definitely should not have expected that, but yeah, I did. Yeah, why? I don't know. <laughs> um, and I did, and I loved it. I loved the beginning. Kristen Stewart sitting there just like, you know, brushing her teeth, just getting ready for the day, and then boom, everything fucking hits. I loved it. I love the, the claustrophobic cramped spaces. That's what I love about um, <clears throat> space sci-fi horror in general. But once everyone just started getting together and talking, I kind of just checked out of this movie. That's sad that, this that, is not a, that that's all it takes for you to lose interest in a film. Well, this is not a dialogue, dialogue movie. Like, this is a very much like, I can tell you what happens, but I can't tell you what anybody said. Yeah, I agree. You said it's not a dialogue movie. I don't think it needed as much dialogue as they gave. And it definitely didn't need the narration. The narration a film. at the beginning and then the narration at the end could have been completely erased and the movie would have been just a, like a, a half a point better. Honestly, for me, because that narration was just was just not doing it. It was it felt like something that was added in after the fact of like really worried that someone's not going to understand what I'm trying to get at. But unfortunately, that narration didn't really even make a lot of sense to begin with, because like the fact that Kristen Stewart is talking about like dreams in the beginning. It made me think the whole movie was a dream. Right. It, like the moment everything started blowing up, I was like, I was like, oh, this is a dream and she's going to wake up. And then it like never she never woke up. And I was like. Oh wait, are we really doing this now? Like, okay, well, let me get my shit. Like, and Which, by the way, that 
fucking scene with like the people running down the hallway and they're sitting there like, oh, just fucking close the door. It's like, oh, no, they might make it. Hang on. Just fucking close the door. And then when they fucking hit it, I was like, that was a great scene. I will agree. I really love that. I will agree. The first like five to ten minutes of the film are the best part of the movie. And then when, absolutely. Then when her and would you say his name was uh, Rod- Rodrigo Rodrigo, when they were like crawling through. That was amazing. Like yeah. I really felt that those really claustrophobic yeah, close spaces. That was fucking great. Um, but once they met up with Captain, I don't know. I'm just kind of. I, I think I was I was on board up through that because I think like right off the bat for me, I, and I forget specific character names, so I'm just going to use my uh, my placeholder names for him. So I really liked Goofy Guy, T.J. Miller, T.J. Miller. T.J. Miller. His character. He's an actor. Ooh. I don't even know his fucking character's name. Uh, well, I it, I know his name, but I don't know his character's uh, name. Paul Abel. Okay, so his character, I thought, was was great. Like, as far as the, the like, comic relief or, like, those moments, I feel like, for me at least, nothing that, like, Kristen Stewart was potentially doing is, like, a comic relief thing landed. But his character, I feel like, fulfilled the role that he was brought on board to fulfill like oh, yeah. his, his his kind of moments of levity were like, yeah, this is silly. Like he's got a bunny and like, you know, he's pulling out moon pies out of the, you know, <laughs> the the deep ocean tunnel, whatever. Like, OK, it was funny. Like I could buy that. And I liked his character. And I think at the moment where, you know, it, it was kind of telegraphed what was going to happen, I turned to Colin. I'm like, oh, man, they're going to kill the only interesting character in the movie. <laughs> like and I knew it was coming and, and it happened. And it was a bummer because I really enjoyed his character. Um Beyond that, though, I don't know. None of the actors really, really like did it for me. And and I would agree this isn't really a dialogue movie. It doesn't have to be. I think this is very, by its nature, a visual movie. And like truthfully, to be like positive here for a minute, because ultimately I wouldn't give this movie an F like it. it, I don't want to give anyone the wrong impression here. I didn't walk out of the theater saying that was the worst piece of shit movie I've ever seen. Like it was just solid. You know, I think that's what it, it it was trying to be. I don't think it was trying to be incredible, but for me, it was just kind of fun because there were certain things where it was so easy to pick them apart that that's absolutely what I want to do. But like, I still don't think it was a total failure. I think for me, trying to be positive, it certainly, if it was a $70 million movie, it certainly looked like a $70 million movie. I mean, I thought the art direction, I thought the station design, I thought uh, like a lot of the, you know, kind of more, Concrete elements like the costume design, like those suits, were badass. Yeah. I thought that was There's great. A lot good. There's a lot about, of really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, so that part of it, I thought, you know, they absolutely nailed. And to me, like, I kind of share, you know, something that Colin said earlier about, um, you know, having like a fear or like a phobia of like the deep sea. Because when you really think about it, when you're at that level, like, there's no light. There's yeah. no light. The pressure is unfathomable. Trying I mean, to fucking kill you. It's, it's effectively negative. The pressure wants to kill space. you. Space. Exactly. Like in space, there is no pressure at all. Underwater, there's all of this pressure coming down on you, but it's still oh, essentially nothing around you, or there should be at least. Yeah. Human beings weren't meant to be at the bottom of the Marianas right. Trench. Yeah. You, weren't, you weren't supposed to have six miles of water on top of you. Yeah. No, it's well, true. And in terms of being kind of like a high concept exploration of that, or at least, you know, using that as kind of a a jumping off point for like the story that they wanted to tell. That's great. Like, I think that that's, you know, it's definitely a setup that's ripe to be mined for, you know, these types of stories. And regardless of the execution, I, I think, you know, 
just the premise alone was enough to make me interested in it. I wanted to see what happened. Um, that being said, you know, it reminded me of a lot of other things that I think just because of the medium did it better. I mean, I, I've brought it up a few times and I'd love to do, I know we're not really going to touch on games for a while. I'd love to do it, but, um, game Soma, which is amazing science fiction had a whole sequence, um, that takes place basically in a similar setup where you're like on the bottom of the ocean floor and it's horrifying. So obviously Soma kind of a horror sci-fi game from the, um, I think it's from, uh, uh, frictional who did uh, amnesia. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, um, a few podcasts. Yep, ago, yep. Yeah. I know. I, I bring it up from time to time because it was one of the few like games, I guess, uh, in the sci-fi sphere that really had like a profound effect and kind of delve into almost some philosophical topics too. So it really deep dive on it. Third time, um, but yes, I, I kind of got that same sort of vibe because it's just when you're in that environment, it's just pitch black, um, and I think. If done well, you really, you know, the filmmakers can really sell that sense of just, you know, being alone. And I think there was a scene which I thought was actually really effective. I think Kristen Stewart's by herself. I think she wakes up. So you think she wakes up. She's at the bottom of the Mariana's Trench, seven miles down, and her oxygen sensor is going off. Yeah. You know, it's red pulsing. You know, you've got 1% oxygen left. I mean, can you imagine a worse position to be in? There's some weird creatures floating around. You're alone. You know, you couldn't make it to the surface if you wanted to. I mean, like, yeah. And in that moment, I thought that was actually one of the better moments of the film. It was like, cool. Yeah, like I could totally buy that. Um, same thing with when they actually make it to the floor and they're uh, they're kind of starting to head towards that like way station base. And um, right before the captain gets taken, I think they take... Um, the, the love interest. I, I didn't get his character's name, but they take him first and then the captain goes in the, a, the little cave. Liam Smith, played by John Gallagher. Okay, so they take Liam's character. Like, I thought that whole kind of scene where, um, I think that's the first time they actually see the creatures and they switch into, like, their IR vision, you know, turn the lights off and everything. I thought that was really cool, too. Really well done. So, I mean, there was definitely some moments, um, you know, early on in the film, towards the middle of the film, where, like, the visual elements I thought were great. And they really were well done. And they kind of brought me into that world. So, it, the the film certainly held my interest for spans of time. Um, it was just other things that I just thought, I don't know. I mean, it, it made me almost yearn or think for movies where, it, even if they're maybe in the same sphere as far as that kind of solid popcorn genre movie that were just done better you know like another film that kept popping up was pandorum that's another one of those kind of like sub event horizon kind of b films that came out probably in january 10 years ago but just to me it was a little more memorable um for as cheesy as it was and it certainly was cheesy um i just feel like it did this better but it's, um oh sorry that's okay it's definitely a very visually striking movie. Yeah. Like, I, I enjoy the visuals. I enjoy the sets. And the, the creature design was wild to me. Um, they really kind of did. Uh, you guys joked about it, but they really kind of did do a uh, full Cthulhu almost. Mm-hmm. Well, I just wanted to say that that is, like, my biggest complaint of the film. Like, I can nitpick all day and, like, and it's not nitpicky. There are problems. I'll admit there are problems. I'm not saying it's a good film. I enjoyed it. Um, it's a very okay, solid film, like you said. And uh, but my biggest issue is that like they leaned too heavily on Alien, very obviously, 
and not enough on the fact that they had Cthulhu in their film. Like, you like, did no one sit there in the writers' room and be like, "Oh, this is Cthulhu." Like, <laughs> oh, no, they did. Like, uh, then use it. Like, use that. So, like, you have the most terrifying monster of all time in your film, and you were able to get away with it. So would, use it. So, so, I would have hated if it were actually Cthulhu. I mean, they so, never had to say like this was Cthulhu. They never had to mention like I don't even know how to actually pronounce it in real life. Relay is that it? Relia. Relia. Thank you. They never had to mention any of that. But like something as simple as like when Kristen Stewart finally looks at it at the end, she just like goes mad seeing it. Mm-hmm. That would have been like a fine ending, I feel like. But so, well, I just, I, actually, just to mirror what you're saying, um, they leaned heavily on the alien thing, but I actually like that. The we don't actually see properly what is actually afflicting these people. Oh, sure. For most of the movie, I, that's what I love about Alien. That's what I love about any, like, good sci-fi horror is you don't actually see what the monster is, what the alien is. Uh, I thought they did that really well, especially when they, like, ripped off with a little baby that they <laughs> shot with, like, an uh, underwater nail gun or something. I don't know what it was, but... Yeah, it's a nail gun. Um, it's, it, that's actually, it was actually a really smart use of weaponry underwater because a nail gun will has enough thrust to continue far enough to be a weapon. Still. It's very dead space. Um, yeah, I, I thought that absolutely. was great. Um, we, we don't have to call him Cthulhu. I will say that I want to call him like the Leviathan. It's probably a better, sure, that's cool. a better term for it. Tentacle boy. That, that's still Lovecraftian at that point, right? No. Tentacle boy? Levi- I mean, <laughs> yeah, tentacle boy is very... Um, I remember that's a, a classic Lovecraft- call of tentacle boy. Sure. It's but, a Lovecraftian creature regardless, but it, I just wanted to say that I, it's especially Cthulhu because it has its spawn, too. Like, they are, they are literally spawn of Cthulhu, the rest of them. So. I think that that should have had a little bit more impact in the film instead of saving it for the last five minutes. Sure. I think that would have been stronger. It should have taken, like, a cabin in the woods kind of turn where it's, like, full-on spiritual folklore. Cthulhu. All of a sudden, the simulation ends. Yeah. And, and Kristen Stewart's sitting there dripping in water, and she goes, that didn't work. We have to fucking run it again. And all of a sudden, like, they just restart the program, and she's sitting there brushing her teeth in a fucking bathroom. Um, and then, and then we, we, we pan over to a computer that says Operation Kill Cthulhu. Oh. Yes! yes. <laughs> it would be called Operation Kill Thulu. Come on. Kill Thulu. Give me a break. Kristen Stewart gets in her giant yeah, mech and it's Pacific Rim 3. Hey. <laughs> that would be pretty sweet. Pacific Rim 3, Pacific for me. Pacific Harder. Could I have another one, please? Yeah. Yes, we can. Ooh. Um, we're, about, <laughs> we're about we're about to wrap. Are you cracking one? No, we're not. Yeah, we are. Doing like a raspberry forty-five line. minutes, and we're gonna make this one short. Well, we're about to my go. dog's freezing yeah. right now. You got him. I already oh. opened it. Thank you. I got, I got a couple more points. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Um, um, you know. Jason, you wanted to say something? Yeah, no, I wanted to say a few things. So it's kind of funny that the references that you guys just brought in, because there were two specific references I was thinking of over the duration of kind of watching this in the theater. The first one was when I saw the um, the deep sea dive suits for the first time and then they focus on, you know, the crew kind of like suiting up and then they walk over and I think one of the characters says the other character like, oh, you, well, just in case we should get it and they like grab like this weapon 
And immediately I thought of Dead Space because that's the weapon looks like something on a Dead sure. Space. It looks like one of the you know industrial cutting tools. Well, yeah, is it? Uh, yeah, aren't and, uh, uh, like most of Isaac Clark's arsenal? Isn't that just improvised? Yeah, yeah, they're all improvised tools. engineering tools. Yeah. But no, like, he is. I yeah. think he was a minor. No, he's a janitor. I'm no, pretty he's, sure he's a janitor. Unless he's under, he, unless he's oh, over. Oh, you're 18. right. He's an engineer. Yeah. My bad. In between um, a minor and a janitor, <laughs> apparently he's an engineer. Well, he's <laughs> over. Yeah, he's over well, eighteen, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's definitely. Whoa! He's a not a minor. He's not a minor. All right, well. minors, but, not minors. <laughs> but it kind of made me think, like, just based on the like the set design and like the production design and like the costuming and stuff of this, like, I would love to see William Eubank make a Dead Space movie. I think that would be really cool because just kind of the aesthetic of it, like, totally nailed it. So that was one of the uh, kind of um, like references, and then I'm trying to remember. The other one, I think it was Dead Space and Bioshock. No, what did you say? Because I think Miller mentioned Dead Space and what did you mention? Bioshock too. Video game wise? No, you didn't, you mentioned something in your last little piece there, and I'm trying to remember what it was as a reference. Bioshock. Well, I was looking. No, I was looking for like an abyss or a sphere type. No, no, never mind. I lost it. I was trying to think. There was another one too. Or, oh no, a cabin, cabin in the woods. Oh, that was Bill. So that, that, yeah, whoever mentioned that, it was kind of the same thing. I was thinking like. At some point in the film, like, what if this just took a really subversive turn and we went that direction with it? And I thought for a while, like, maybe it would. Like, maybe there would be some really ultra clever twist to it. Um, basically, I think we we brought in the whole Cthulhu kind of eldritch horror thing here. And, like, one of the missed opportunities in this, and you guys tell me if you had a different, like, interpretation of this. But when we meet up with the captain, I thought the captain was, like, full on, like, you know... Like he was tweaked out and he had something to do with this at first. Cause like when, when you come across, like he's in that room with all the escape pods and everything and he's got the radio up to him and you hear him talking, but you don't quite hear what he's saying. I thought like, Oh, captain's got something going on here. And then they kind of like linger on a few scenes with him. And ultimately in the end, like I think apart from him, you know, being in denial over his daughter's death and kind of like, you know, I think they, uh, make the, um, like projection that oh well he's he he what what does he say like um he's been telling everyone that the daughter's alive because Kristen Stewart's character says oh she'd be about my age when really we find out later from that card from the funeral that she, she died when she was fourteen she was, yeah. yeah um I thought like he was gonna play into it some point uh, and we find out later uh, when they go to uh, was it Shepherd Station I think mm-hmm. was like the other way station on the ocean floor like we find out that he was part Shepherd. of the team. That was on like the Roebuck site or whatever, which is where, you know, Cthulhu monster was unearthed. But like to me, that was actually the biggest missed opportunity in the film, because I think I I told Colin we were driving back to my house after our showing of it. Like to me, that scene basically was she got there. She found that card. She got a new suit. But to me, that would have been like a cool opportunity to. And I know it wasn't my movie, but that would have been a cool opportunity to kind of like explore that notion of like what's really down there you know or or have some sort of you know bunch of shit on the pin board you know tentacle monsters question mark you know like or pictures or, or something i don't yeah, know just more yeah. of a kind of a i don't want to say an exposition dump because no one wants yeah, that no. but just something where it's like to i think everyone else's point like we know that something has been going on here there's an implication that he knows that like he's experienced it before well, I just wanted to say that, um, and this is my biggest point of the film, the thing I like the most in the movie, is that they can't do that, because that's not the world they've set up. Um, because my favorite part of this movie is the selflessness of everyone involved 
it's the strongest point. It's a it's an incredibly um, <laughs> funny enough communist film actually because it it uh, puts all of the blame on the corporation and none on the people. You know, in in films like this, like Alien, especially. You know, you have the corporation is the big bad guy, but then usually the corporation has some some flunky that works for them or an android that works for them. And there's always some kind of hostility. Oops, sorry. There's always some kind of hostility between the crew and someone else who may not be who may be like pro corporate. So but in this case. Everyone was 100% selfless in every instance, and it shows a humanity that I would be proud to live in because it, it, it was so great. For everything from, from T.G. Miller's line where he, where he tells, um, tells the research assistant, he's like, he's like the, the captain's like, oh, someone has to go out there. He's like, all right, get your suit on. And she's like, what? And he goes, I'm kidding. Like, I'm going. And he's like, yeah, he's, he's being a bit of a jerk, but he, he's going to do it regardless. Or like you know he he's he he wants to come back but there's a body there so he's like he's not like I'm coming back he's like Captain there's a body here like do you need me to grab it, um, the moon pie thing where he he immediately he he shows a lot of it the most but the moon pie thing where he he gives it up to John Gallagher Jr. to give it to his girlfriend because it would make her happy in this very awful intense situation that's all that's the reason he gives it to her because it would make her happy in a very bad situation. The captain who sacrifices at every turn, yeah, because he doesn't really have anything left to live for, but also because he does have someone to make sure he wants to live, which is the crew. He wants this crew, who is his only family he has left, to live. Uh, Nora, of course, who sacrifices herself at the end, going as far as to punch, um, the re- what's her name? I don't want to keep going to the research assistant, I forget. Uh, Emily, um, to punch Emily in the face to get her onto the pod. Um, Emily drags John Gallagher Jr. across the Mariana Trench, which is a ridiculous feat, especially given how heavy those suits must be to be protecting them from the ocean. John Gallagher Jr., of course, is is protecting Emily along the way, um, and I think that's about the extent of his. And then um, uh, Rodrigo knows his knows the suit he picked is malfunctioned. Nora mentions it. She says he knew it. I knew he knew it. His suit's about he he knew that suit wasn't working. And he took it anyway. And he took it to make sure, because he was like, it wasn't like a, like, I'm going to die thing. It was like a, there might be something wrong with this. I'm going to take it. That's how I took what she was saying. So um, every one of them has, has, you know, gave up something to make sure that someone else can go on. And I thought that was a really cool thing is that like, it's such an overused trope to have people start fighting while the monsters are surrounding them. And in this case, everyone's really united and they only got to the end. Emily and John Gallagher Jr. only survived because everyone else made those sacrifices along the way. Hmm. My God, Ben, you just guided me across that like epiphany. I appreciate ben, you, you carried him across the ocean. Yeah. I hate to say movie. it. <laughs> now I like this and movie. let it be known, <laughs> but Ben Goddamn Young is absolutely one hundred percent right. Whoa! When you look at it for a while, when, when you when you look at it in that because i was like listen to your whole thing there and you're right i mean it's it's actually a very it's kind of a very humanist mm-hmm. you know a, a very humanist kind of perspective i mean yeah obviously you've got the corporation and that's kind of a, a tropey thing in this genre but like you're right at every step 
when someone could take like the selfish, you know, you got, I mean, even if we want to compare it with like another kind of like source material thing we've been talking about, like the abyss, there's really never that, you know, uh, we're going to go for self-interest over, you know, helping someone else. So it is, I mean, yeah. And I didn't really catch all that. I mean, certainly Mm -hmm. I think there are, um, instances where it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that whatever dragging someone, I wouldn't drag Colin across the ocean. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. I would, I'd leave him for the, uh, I would, I would try at least. He he wouldn't drag me out of this room. (laughs) No. Wow. (laughs) Thanks. Appreciate that. Um, it's funny. You didn't notice that because Nora's character smashes you over the head with it in the last three seconds of the movie before she explodes the reaction. So I would say, if this room is on fire, I I expect all of you to collectively drag me out of it. Oh yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. Uh, you know, I, I hey, you know, I got it. My car is outside. You know, I got to yeah. go to it. <laughs> Colin, I, in in every circumstance, I would always make sure you live before I do because you're a better person. <laughs> Jason would be last. <laughs> Thank you. Well, hey, <laughs> I'm heavier than Jason, and that's <laughs> still do. That's just the dynamic. Well, I'm glad to know that the sci-fi cross-sections version of Underwater would be a a much different film than the one that we got. So are we saying uh, that I'm the last one to sacrifice myself or I'm the You're the captain. You're the first one. Basically, Colin and Bill are going to get on those pods. Yeah. Because Colin is a good person, objectively. Bill's got children and and things to live for. What am I, T.J. Miller? Yes. <laughs> Miller. What am I, AC well, Miller? Let's be honest, Miller. We're dead. We're dead. <laughs> that needs to be a thing from now on. Ba- yeah. What am I, Andrew W.S. Miller? <laughs> you are now. Ben's dead. You're dead. And no one's going to save me in the first place. So I'm de- I'm the guy that gets imploded in the first 10 minutes. Um, Love it. Oh, man. Well, I'm sorry. Are you done with your point? Yeah, that was okay. that was my no. I, I mean, Ben is absolutely on the nose there. That's not really something I considered. Um, I certainly saw those instances kind of as they happen. But if you look at it as a whole, I mean, yeah, that's. I think that's a point because at any point, at any point in the film, you could have had someone kind of take the selfish low road, and you didn't. You really didn't. There's not one instance I think I could point to. All the characters along the way, and even the the characters that kind of paid with their lives, it was all in service of helping someone else. So. To that extent, yeah, no, I would have to agree. Kind of makes me view it in a little bit more positive light. Maybe, maybe it just gained it a point in my eyes because I wanted to say that this movie didn't really have anything to say, and I think that that right there, yeah, I mean that's certainly a statement. Okay, um, well, from there, if no one else has anything to say, oh, I do have one more point. Oh, yep, hit it. <sighs> Probably the most important point, so I saved it for last being a sassy bitch tonight, Bill. I'm sorry. Um, one thing I just wanted to bring up, because this is the last thing I think I brought up to Colin that was not discussed yet. But it just uh, the absurdity factor. Um, when they get to Robux Station, there's a sequence where all the characters are kind of like running through, you know, whatever, and, you know, the station's starting to kind of implode again. It's before they get to where the escape pods are. And there's something I noticed, and I just thought of the the ludicrousness of this especially to anyone that's actually ever put one of these up. So Roebuck Station has a drop ceiling. (laughs) And I just want everyone to think of the logistics of this as far as ceiling engineering, seven miles under the sea. I feel like there's much better options than a drop ceiling. That means that they sent down boxes of these where we have a drop ceiling above hey, us right Bill, now he's they on your sent ceiling. down no drop ceilings are great they make sense 
but someone dragged down boxes and boxes and boxes of these ceiling oh tiles. God. Because but obviously you, know, you have to right. have replacements. You have to have replacements in a facility like that. You're They're right. probably going to get wet. <laughs> You're right. Why? I mean, it's so I'm impractical. Just saying it doesn't so make incredible. sense. Now, upon your second, third, and maybe fourth viewings, yeah. I, I implore you, you know, pause it, kind of, you know, do do the freeze frame and zoom in, and you'll see there's drop ceiling tiles with, like, watermarks in them, like you'd see in, like, a faulty roof. And it's just, like, you got to think, like, there's seven well, miles under spares. the ocean. <laughs> so, like, but if you think about it in the corporate aspect, like, they're like a corporate, you think about the meeting, or it's like, Okay, so uh, in the room, do we want to have open ceilings? Uh, open ceilings give the feeling of a cave. They give a feeling of of a workplace. Why don't we Why don't we make it drop ceilings? Drop ceilings. <laughs> like do you know how much money? Lighting. Do you know how much money that's going to be to bring all that hey, stuff down? We got a break for lunch. Let's just say drop ceilings, okay? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I've 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 been in plenty of those situations. <laughs> that was it, Colin. All right. Um. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I want to go around the table here. We're gonna do good sci-fi, bad sci-fi. Wow, we haven't done that in a week, two weeks, three weeks. I would say wasted Star Wars. This was wasted. Star was this Wars. good Star Wars or bad Star Wars? Let me, let me just tell me. Glad we don't have to do that for a while. Um, all right, we're gonna start with um my six o'clock Ben Young. All right, overall, uh, good sci-fi for the reasons that I've um extrapolated on shortly before you know it's not a good it's not a uh, i'd give it at the end of the day i'd probably give it like a c minus for a film as a whole but i think as a sci-fi film it did its job um it could have definitely stood on its own a bit more along the way it could have had a bit more confidence in itself because like everyone has said here the concept is very good and i think it was a little too worried executive wise most likely about standing on its own and being its own thing I'm sure there was a lot of executives was like, oh, let's just keep it a little bit closer to what people know. And maybe that'll do better, which it didn't. So even especially now as it's failed at the box office, I would have I would have liked to see something a bit more original. But overall, it brought a sci-fi trope uh, that needs to be seen more and that outside of just Star Trek. So good sci-fi. All right. Uh, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So, you know, briefly, I mean, funny enough, I probably would give this a similar score to Ben. It sounds like I was like ragging on this one, but I, I definitely think it was a solid movie. Visually, I really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, you know, there were some things with the the dialogue mainly and some of the acting that I didn't quite agree with. But I thought, you know, they nailed they had a visual look for this in mind and they, they definitely nailed it. Um, yeah, overall, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I like films like this. I like the genre films. I think that regardless of when they're put out, whether it's January or, you know, if it's a big budget kind of successful film, um, I think this is great because this is kind of the crux of why we're here. I mean, these are the, the sci-fi classics that I think we talk about a lot of the times were these movies. You know, it, it was the underwater of 1983 that we end up talking about on our cast. So I think the films are important. Um, that being said, you know, I... I mean, it's kind of unfortunate that I guess it, it didn't do well because, you know, we really probably won't see another opportunity to kind of delve into this universe. Um, but that being said, you know, I, Ben kind of brought me around a little bit on this one. Uh, so I got to give him credit for that because I think, you know, you can look at it in a different lens here. And I think less the dialogue of the characters and more the actions of the characters kind of speak to what it's trying to accomplish as sci-fi. So I would say solid sci-fi. Um because coming in here, I would have said 
bad sci-fi because I didn't really think this movie had anything to say. But uh, based on kind of what Ben has brought to light here, I think, yeah, it it definitely has something to say. I don't know if it said it in the best way, but I think it was effective at kind of getting its point across in the end. So solid sci-fi. Good job, Ben. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I personally will say that this was good sci-fi. I kind of have this benchmark that I always want anything sci-fi I watch to explore a sense of what it means to be human or explore him humanity in general. Um, I thought they did a very good job with that. Um, I don't I don't know if I realized it upon watching, but definitely Ben, you you've shed some light on it that everyone was acting selflessly. And I feel like that was that was a good way to portray humanity. I would say this was good sci fi. Um, there are definitely flaws to this movie. I think the biggest thing is the dialogue. And I'm not even going to knock any of the actors. I think Kristen Stewart even did a good job. I don't think her dialogue was very, very good at all. However, uh, I would say this was good sci-fi. I'm sorry. Bill. Okay, I'd say this is bad sci-fi. Um, just because I'm kind of not into the like horror aspect. Um, just not my kind of genre. Um, I don't think it really brought up very many questions. And, uh, and I enjoy it. I definitely would say that if it's on Netflix, go watch it. But I, you know, I wouldn't pay it. 12 or $15 ticket for it. Definitely not. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think it would be something that I would try to deep dive into three times. It would just oh. be something that I see once and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Then, yeah, it's not good sci-fi. But, yeah. Really? Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's serviceable sci-fi. Like, I mean, like I said, I mean, I don't feel like I wasted my money seeing it. Um, it, uh, I, what I do like about it is that it doesn't, overstay its welcome the the action of the movie happens immediately like we get that like five minute preamble where Kristen stewart's playing with a spider and then everything happens so they waste no time if this were a two-hour movie i would have been like i fucking hate this because there would have been like a lot of slow points and like weird subplot exploration and stuff this was a very concise hour and a half ish movie like so it's, I mean, yeah, it's see it, see it once, you know, red box it or whatever. And it's, it's not, you know, whatever. It's not bad. No, it's, it's serviceable. Yeah. It's fine. It's yeah. decent sci-fi. I'd say if, if, if we had an average rating, I would have given it average. I would have been like three <laughs> out of five, but we do good and bad. So I went with bad. You can say whatever I've said. People have said magnanimous sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. That's, true. That's not even right. That's, that's, that's not even accurate. That is not applicable. I don't want to pull this around really quick really for too long, but I do have a quick question for Bill. Okay. Oh, fuck. Why does all sci-fi need to have questions for you? Why can't it have answers? Uh, boom. I, I don't know. What? What is that? That's all. Know. Thank you. What? <laughs> Just to get Thank you. got you. surf, I'm sucker. Please, please uh, refer to Asimov. Thank no. you. Um, oh, I do have one more thing to say. I'm sorry. You mean ass amov? Ooh. Oh. Communism is wrecked. Oh. <laughs> I robots better with Will Smith. What up? <laughs> yeah. It's, Welcome this to Earth. dumb as fuck. <laughs> Jason? Last thing. I, I did want to say this really quick. It's not a, a conversation point. It's just an you know, uh, anecdote here. But I read a bunch of articles just kind of like explaining like, you know, w- what's the... What's the meaning behind it or the ending explain? I'm sure we all do the same thing. But like uh, what was really interesting, it was a <laughs> it was a um, well, I just like to see what other people think about it. But there was a uh, an article that I read that was really interesting. And it said why underwater should have been 
the next like Cloverfield um, prequel or whatever. And I thought it was really interesting because it was like one of those things where like if they didn't find like a home for underwater or if they decided to like sell it after three years, they totally could have sold it to JJ and he totally could have made it a Cloverfield movie. <laughs> yeah, I think we all remember Cloverfield hey, wait, underwater. Literally could have. Yeah. Who wrote that article? Do you remember? Underwaterfield. No, I'll find it. Yeah. Hey, whoever wrote that article? It was Kotaku. No, it wasn't. In Cloverfield, the alien crashes into the Atlantic and the Mariana Trenches in the Pacific, so go fuck yourself. Hey, no, it's not Mariana Trenches in the Atlantic. Mariana in the Pacific, you fucking... Hey. Hey, Ben. Ben. The specific ocean. Which ocean? Ben. Hey, hang on. We have to settle this now. Jason, do you think the Mariana Trench is in the Atlantic Ocean? (laughs) I'm pretty sure it is, isn't it? Jason, do you think it's pronounced Chicken Mariana? It's by Japan. It's in the... Yeah, it's, it's right by the Appalachian Mountains. It's in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> the Blue Ridge Mountains. You could actually vacation there. Yeah. Over near Tennessee. But I was just going to say, I'm sorry I don't like stupid sci-fi. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, it is. I'm yeah, wrong. That's okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. I ain't no geologist. Geodrestry <laughs> jokes. Oce- oceanographist. Oceanographist. <laughs> then why do you like very linear. Star Trek? What? Why do I like linear. Star Trek? I don't like Star Trek. Oh, shit. Yeah. I think I, I'm the only person here that likes Star Trek. Oh, fuck. We got to do Picard. Anyway, I gotta pee. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> Let it rip. All right. Uh, in case anyone has anything to plug in the next couple minutes. I know hey, somebody. Hey, catch Once Upon a Tavern Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Go to Central Standard Time. Go to twitch.tv forward slash once underscore underscore upon underscore a underscore tavern. I didn't come up with that. Yeah, it was great. So, yeah, go there uh, 5 p.m. Central to 9 p.m. Central every Sunday and tear off that mouse and don't change that channel. Oh, shit. Jason, do we have anything coming out? I know somebody Um, who has a new single. There's nothing I want to plug necessarily. I know somebody who has a new single. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing I want to plug, but I do. I feel like this would be okay with all you guys. I would like to dedicate this episode to the memory of Neil from Rush. Uh, his loss in the last week was kind of a big one for me as I'm a big prog nerd. And uh, Rush and Neil, specifically his lyrics, have always been a fan to science fiction. So I want to say, you know, uh, it's a huge loss. I was definitely touched by it and hurt by it. I know a lot of folks were, a lot of musicians, a lot of sci-fi fans. So uh, this one's for you. For, ne- for, for Neil. For, for Neil Pert. Uh, ben already plugged once about a tavern. Um... Uh, I'm going to try to, I'm going to like, I, I, I'm reasonably sure I'm getting my recording studio back at home. Um, so I'm hopefully going to be streaming pretty regularly. Um, in the interim, uh, I stream at twitch.tv slash insert underscore game underscore here. Uh, you can find insert game here on Facebook as well until I get like a regular schedule going until I know exactly what's happening with my recording studio. You can just follow me on Facebook and I usually post in the morning and afternoon if I plan on doing a stream sort of or like in the evening or whatnot. So yeah, there's that. I'm going to go ahead and plug Jason's new single. Look at Minds Horizon. Mind Thanks, Her- Minds Horizon it. has a single out. I'm going to play it at the end of this at the end of this podcast. They'll actually have two out by the time this. Uh, I'm only playing one. New song every two weeks. New song every ten minutes. Come, <laughs> I wish. Come <laughs> find us on uh, Facebook, Minds Horizon Official, uh, Spotify, iTunes, all the good streaming services. Check it out wherever you get your sci-fi prog rock. Yeah, um, I like that. I, I just. 
Quick reminder to everyone listening, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, just leave a motherfucking review. If you do not, I will disown you. I will leave you out of my will. You will receive none of the trust fund that I have set up for sci-fi podcast listeners. And fuck you. Is that a Patreon? Um, are you going to start paying us with this sci-fi trust fund? You got a trust fund, dude? <laughs> Oh no, you got you guys. Dude, this I is, am claiming that on the my beans, taxes. Bro. This I is this is free labor from you boys. Don't you worry I'm about it. Except for Ben. That. Ben is not this has not been free. Ben is Pay me in claws and yeah. we'll be fine. Well, Miller's, Miller's, sleep that Miller, Miller, Miller's the labor, yeah. I'm, labor the, I'm the number one. Um, I'm the only reason this podcast no, exists. No, uh, thank you all for listening <laughs> and we will see you next week. We are going to bring to you Valerian, right? Yeah. Oh boy. Valerian Steel. We're going to hit that one on the head just for you, John. to